Today is Monday, October 16th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Invasion has been delayed. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us as well. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the Cray on this Monday, Billy Hallowell. Billy, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. What a what a wild news week and a half man, now it's been. Man, really, really. I mean, it's fast and furious, all the updates that are coming in. We'll try to keep you updated on the very latest this morning. Uh, with the war happening in Israel, the impending invasion, all of that uh, coming up. And on the focus story, Billy, in the midst of all this, God's sending a potential sign in the midst of the chaos. Yep. I, I don't want to spoil what the sign yeah. is, but it was something that I think brought some peace to the Israelis in the middle of really the most horrific time they've experienced in, it, in modern history. It really is. And they also have a day of rage going on right now, not for Israel, but against it, believe it or not. Shocking stuff. Madison Seals has a reaction from a rabbi from the Simon Wiesenthal Center. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And the Rafah crossing connecting Egypt and Gaza that temporarily reopened earlier this morning that was giving Palestinians in Gaza one last chance to evacuate before Israel's impending ground offensive into Gaza. Hamas is reportedly denying some citizens the chance to evacuate as evidenced by a dramatic phone call recording that was released by the IDF over the weekend, it was from a Palestinian citizen who was saying that that Hamas was blocking their way and taking their keys, their cars, and their licenses and not letting them leave. The invasion that was expected this weekend was reportedly delayed due to weather. Cloud cover made it difficult for air support and drone operators to see and help support troops on the ground, so it was delayed debate continues to rage about israel's response some media criticized them for saying is this response proportionate and lieutenant colonel conricus was grilled about the impending humanitarian crisis in gaza and he countered by saying hamas should just surrender and give back the hostages israel declared war on hamas after the attack last saturday those are just some of the latest updates on israel's war and you can get the latest from cbnnews.com and billy we also have chuck holton from cbn who's often reporting on war and front situations on all the dangerous spots and he's there now he's in israel and he's reporting live so if you follow the cbn news youtube channel you will see updates from him he is able to just go live when things happen so um whenever that happens he will he will come out he's given a couple updates and of course chris mitchell and his team they have the day nine update from yesterday it's absolutely incredible um, they are now out in the field showing you some of the uh, carnage as far as just the damage to the property obviously not going to show you um human carnage but just to give you an idea of the scope and the things happening um, an incredible update from chris mitchell and his team as well and it's just been amazing to watch this debate rage on, Billy. I feel like people who are critics of Israel are trying to find their way in to criticize. I saw I mentioned that question about the proportionate response, and I don't know if you saw this, but one of the uh, reporters in uh, Great Britain there, 
he said, well, you know what? A proportionate response would be if Israel went in and started killing civilians and raping citizens and um, kidnapping little children. That would be a proportionate response. Thank God that's not what they're doing. And and it just really yeah. puts into perspective sometimes this, you know, this bias you have against Israel. Yeah, it's almost endless. I watched that report and thought that that response was really powerful. I mean, there's so many factors here you have to take into account. Let's remember, you're not negotiating with a party that wants your existence to continue. You're negotiating right. with a party here. Hamas wants Israel wiped off the map. So does Iran, its backer. So do other terror groups. And so this idea that there would be some sort of proportionate response, Israel's over there dropping leaflets, letting people know you have this amount of time to flee and as you were stating during those updates, uh, what is Hamas doing? Trying to use their people as human shields, yeah. not letting them leave. I mean, th this is, I mean, at the end of the day, Israel has to defend their right to exist, right? And so Americans need, I think, and people around the world to stop acting as though there are two sane sides here. There are not. There's one sane side and one genocidal side. Yeah, side, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And when you look at it as well, that that Conriquez interview that I mentioned, that was an amazing ending to the interview. It was this long interview, and he was getting a little frustrated. He handled himself well, but the person kept saying this this impending humanitarian crisis and kind of putting the onus on Israel. How, what are you doing to stop this? And he said, you know what? How about you just have Hamas unconditionally surrender? How about you have Hamas give back the hostages? And it really put into focus that, no, the onus is not on Israel about this impending crisis, which it probably will be. The onus is on Hamas. They started this attack. They're the ones that have been ruling in Gaza terribly now for over a decade and a half. And they're the ones causing the crisis here, but yet they never seem to get the blame. They're like, well, yeah, Hamas is extreme. Like, you'll, you'll get people to admit that. But it's like, no, this is not on Israel. Hamas could end all of this by just relinquishing power, giving it up, but that's not what terrorists do. So that's not what's going to happen. Right. And, you know, I just, I, I really am disturbed by this idea that, that these are equal things. You know, everybody's approaching this as though like, well, and, and I love that response going back to the reporter of like, Hey, Israel would have to go in and kill yeah. this exact number of people. It's just that, first of all, the other thing, that's not how war works. I don't right. know where people are living or what universe they're existing in, but when somebody attacks you and they want you gone, you need to take action to ensure that you have safety and security. And again and again, the Jewish people have sat there while the world or fought back while the world has done nothing. And I right. think that's something that they're not going to do again. They're not going to allow themselves to be killed and, and taken over by, by terrorists. Right. And just one other thing on this, the entire world, this is a battle over freedom and the people on yeah. the other side of this have attacked people all over the globe. Right. So, I just don't understand why there's even a controversy at this point. Yeah, you're really stretching in order to find it if you are on that side of the fence. It's quite some mental gymnastics you have to get there to even remotely support Hamas, who is just horribly, horribly evil. And they're not afraid to show that. They're not trying to hide this. I mean, the Nazis tried to hide their despicable acts. Hamas is videotaping it and showing it proudly for the world. All right, well, in the middle of all this chaos that's going on, a sign of God's peace and love offered some comfort to Israel's. What's the story here, Billy? 
Yeah, you know, this is just a simple story, but I think it's a powerful one. Yael Eckstein, she's the CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. We actually had her on uh, last week talking about what's going on, but she's been on the ground with her organization, and they've been providing food, resources, comfort um, to the families and the victims. And one of the places that they've been, um, as heartbreaking as this sounds, is the location where uh, bodies are being identified, so where families are coming to identify um, the remains of their loved ones who were killed by Hamas. And so they're providing yeah, the food and the drink and, and even phone chargers and emotional support for these families. And uh, she posted over the weekend that she said, quote, God spoke to them, the people in this area, in the form of a stunning rainbow. And she posted this image of this beautiful rainbow stretching across the sky over the place where those bodies uh, we're being and are being identified by relief workers. And it's a, just a really, it's just a really stunning image to see in the midst of that pain here, here is, you know, God in her view showing up. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, look, I've seen a few of the videos of that teams and because of Jewish you know, customs, it's, it is a painstaking process in how they handle these bodies. And so you see these teams going in and what a, what a gruesome task, but you know, a necessary one. You know, you want to honor the fallen, and you want to honor people and uh, the their bodies, right? You don't want to just uh, haphazardly deal with that. And so they are taking that time, and they are doing that, and it's a a gruesome, gruesome task, but a necessary one. So really interesting to see that sign in the midst of that. What a difficult situation to deal with. What did uh, Eckstein say the rainbow represented? Yeah, so th this was interesting. You know, she wrote, despite the death that has been surrounding us for the past week, this rainbow was a bold reminder that Jewish people will never be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a powerful statement to make, right? You know, when you look at the history that we've talked about over the past week, from the Holocaust stretching way back to, to Haman and Queen Esther, and mm -hmm. the time after time after time when the Jewish people have been under threat and under assault. Um, and of course... You know, you look back at Genesis 9, that's where we see the rainbow emerge as a symbol of God's covenant with humanity. And, you know, when you read verse 13 of Genesis 9, it says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And of course, this goes back to Noah and, and the rainbow really being a pledge that water will not be used to destroy life again in, in a flood on earth. Um, but, but also that reminder of whenever that rainbow appears, that that is that everlasting covenant between God and, and all living creatures. So it's a it, it's such a simple story, but a really powerful one, especially for people in the midst of the pain that these Israelis have been feeling. Well, yeah, clinging to God's promises, right, in the midst of something as evil as this. I mean, this is something people struggle with, especially when it's as gruesome as this. How can a good God? How can a loving God allow these things to happen? And ultimately, he has his purposes, and this is a fallen world, and he is restraining evil, believe it or not. I mean, if it would be a lot worse if he wasn't restraining evil. And so God is still there. He's still working his purposes. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. And so we don't know. We can't see the forest through the trees. We don't know exactly how this is going to work out, what the final picture is being painted. So that's why these reminders uh, are so important. And it's it's important for people to cling to in the midst of the suffering to know that ultimately God is going to bring justice. He's going to restore things. And eternally, we're going to have a place with no more tears and no more sorrows and no more pain. And those are the promises that we can cling to. So any, any final thoughts on this one, Billy? 
Yeah, you know, I think I think that God often shows up in in these ways to provide this comfort. And I know that the skeptics will say, "Oh, it was just by chance right. that this You're rainbow right. emerged." But but I think we've all experienced as, as believers those moments where where God kind of shows up for us, where we need Him to in some way, just to provide that reminder. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's something that simple when you're in so much pain, you're not thinking that, you know what, God is there. He has not abandoned us and his promises are, are everlasting. They're not fleeting. And so I, I thought it was just a, when it caught my eye, the story that the Instagram post, I thought we got to write about this because it's uh, it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something we as believers can cling to on a whole number of issues. Uh, even, even the worst of ones, the worst of humanity, the evil that uh, pours out from the hearts of man, we can still cling to the goodness of God. So appreciate you bringing that one to the podcast today. Billy, we're going to head over to the main thing now. And following these attacks by Hamas on Israel, anti-Semitism fears are kind of spreading across the United States and around the world. We had warnings of, hey, watch out for lone wolf attacks. That was here in the United States. And that's just an indication of the anti-Semitism that is lingering everywhere still around the globe. Rabbi Abraham Cooper who's Associate Dean and Director of Global Social Action at the Simon Wiesenthal Center, responded to this day of rage and the day of resistance solidarity events where Palestinian supporters and really indirectly Hamas supporters went around showing their support for Palestinians. Madison Seals talked to him for today's Main Thing. Rabbi Cooper, you're sadly no stranger to anti-Semitism in the U.S. and around the world, but the statement from Hamas calling for a day of rage on Friday really takes things to another level. It's actually Friday, the day that we're recording this, so we haven't seen the full effect of this statement and what could potentially happen across the world yet, but what is this statement calling for exactly, and what's the potential impact for the U.S. and the world from a statement like this? Well, first of all, when you're calling for jihad from mass murderers, who last uh, Sabbath, you know, mass murdered 40 Israeli infants and uh, killed them, entire families and have taken 150 hostages. We're looking at a terrorist group that's also desperate. Hamas has been successful over the past few years of exporting their genocidal language, which has now been mainstream on many university campuses around the world. And most university administrators, presidents, abject moral failure in doing in pushing back and just hiding behind the fig leaf of supposed, you know, uh, free speech. But we already know there were two incidents already, one in Beijing, uh, in which it is uh, a worker at the Israeli embassy was stabbed. Apparently, that person will recover. And then there was an incident also in France where innocent individuals were murdered. Someone screaming, Alu Akbar. And uh, yes, at this point, it's a bit early in the States, but there are school closures, there are police uh, being sent out around. And at the same time, what is the most troubling of all, and should be for all Americans, all normal people, the fact that you have individuals and organizations rushing to embrace, protect, and promote the agenda of mass murderers of babies. Some of these people are our, our neighbors. Some of them sit in the same university classroom with our children. And the targets, of course, are first, uh, at this point, Israelis, Jews around the world. But we know what Hamas has said about Christians and Christianity. Uh, this, this, and it, uh, this, this morning, in, uh, it's now been confirmed 
that in Gaza, Hamas is now forcing Gaza civilians who want to flee Israel's invasion. In fact, they were told by the Israelis to get out. They now wake up and they are themselves human shields to Hamas. So they've used people from 35 nationalities as human shields, Jews and Christians and Hindus uh, and, and Buddhists. And now they're using their own people as human shields in a desperate uh, ploy to try to protect themselves. And we have to deal here in the United States with these days of rage and calls for jihad. This is an abject failure of the leadership of the academic and university community. They've been caving to extremists in terms of their anti-American and viciously anti-Israel and anti-Semitic agenda. And frankly, when we look at it more globally, we're now looking at, I think, a looming national security threat. You have organizations that are openly pro-mass murdering terrorists that will now want to initially verbally terrorize the, the entire community, their Jewish neighbors. And uh, one week after those horrific murders that left over a thousand Israeli civilians murdered and kidnapped, etc., raped, and where we want to gather in our synagogues and our friends who already in the Christian community last Sunday prayed for Israel. Now we have to worry in New York, in Chicago, in Los Angeles and elsewhere. We have to worry about UCLA campuses, you know, pouring out and, and uh, threatening their fellow Americans. That this is a situation that needs to be looked at very seriously. Uh, this is not a Democratic or Republican issue. This is not about where the final borders of Israel and our neighbors will be. This is about confronting mass murderers. And it's about time the academics and uh, people who run the universities in the United States wake up and do their job. And for right. those who won't, we're not going to be uh, certainly many people now beginning to close their pocketbooks. One last point, the Simon Wiesenthal Center, our Museum of Tolerance, and 25 organizations, Jewish and, and non-Jewish, were gathering for a peaceful march uh, on Pico Boulevard in West Los Angeles, uh, culminating at the Museum of Tolerance. Uh, we're not going to be intimidated by these thugs and their supporters here. It's not about free speech. It's about promoting terrorist mass murderers. And as we know, tragically from history, it always starts with the Jews. It never ends with us. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad that you that you mentioned your point, because I wanted to bring that up as well. Your statement that it's past due for the gatekeepers of America's children to draw a line between ultimate good and evil. And like you said, this has nothing to do with freedom of speech. And it's frightening right. to think that there are generations of people who don't know good from evil, righteous anger or self-defense from hatred and terror attacks. Right. Underlying what's going on here, because there's so many different issues, is it's clear that generations of young people in not only the United States, but across Europe, the whole idea of good and evil, of personal accountability, of critical thinking, they, they didn't grow up with these ideas. They grew up with the notion that morality is a multiple choice test and you just take whatever suits you. Unfortunately, again, civilization is being shown that there are people who embrace evil and the people who embrace good better get their act together and operate together to defeat it 
We knew what happened in the 20th century when the world just didn't want to get involved with Hitler in 1920s and when he took power in 33. And it was just deflect, you know, it'll go away, make a deal, let's keep things quiet. And then you had World War II and the Nazi Holocaust that almost destroyed our planet. Right. You referenced this earlier. I want to mention a letter that was signed by 25 student organizations around the country and released at Harvard University shortly after Hamas invaded Israel, blaming Israel for the attacks. Yes. Anything other than denouncing the mass murder, beheadings, rape and hostage torture by Hamas is shocking. But doing the opposite and blaming Israel for the attacks is even more shocking. So you started to get into this, but why is it so important that institutions like these in the U.S. speak out against Hamas? It's, it's very clear. You know, there's no middle ground. Hamas is not leaving anyone in the world middle ground. Not when you had the execution of 40 infants. And I don't want to go into the other details. Look, the Nazis tried to erase what they did so they wouldn't be held accountable. Hamas is live streaming what they're doing. So when you have student groups that just default to these ideological uh, outrages that they absorb from their uh, academic uh, 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 extremists, along with professional groups that are supported by Hamas, that get their funding from the outside, you're able to generate these kinds of letters. And what that does, it puts everybody on notice. And it's not just academia. We're finally beginning to see Major League Baseball, the NBA, a couple of CEOs in the business world, and I think at least one law firm uh, that told uh, someone who did something similar, I believe at NYU, don't bother trying to apply for a job with us. These individuals, if they really are serious about it and don't want to step away from it, they have to pay a price in a democracy. And the way you do that is you treat them as, as what they are, mindless, useful uh, uh, idiots for mass murderers whose uh, ideology brought us 9-11 and last Saturday brought Israel its 9-11. We don't need to draw a fur- further picture Hamas has already done that. It's time to wake up. America's uh, mainstream has to wake up. Its business communities have to wake up. And as I said, you can support a Palestinian cause. But when you cross the line to supporting this, God forbid I should be trapped in a, in a, a flight between Los Angeles and New York with someone who believes that I don't deserve to exist. That's right. what's, what's, what's before us. And, you know, I know that believing Jews, Jewish community is coming together uh, for the first time, I think, in decades. I know that Christians from around the world, their prayers and their public support for Israel and for the Jewish community is deeply appreciated. But this thing is way beyond one faith, one piece of territory. This is a direct threat to the founding principles of our democracy. So it's time to wake up. And if not, we're going to be going down a horrific black hole. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you said, education is key, not just in universities, but just in the public sphere in general. So Rabbi Abraham Cooper, I really appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you, Madison. Wow, Madison, powerful stuff there in that interview, hearing the perspective from a rabbi. And I mean, it's he's not wrong on the counts and the points that he's making. This, this is a time where the Jewish people need the world to be 
standing with them. So thanks for that interview, Madison. That's going to leave us with time here on the pod for one last thing. Yeah, this is uh, 1 John 3, 14 to 15. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer mm. has eternal life residing in him. That That is a very convicting uh, couple of verses there. It, it is. Really is. It is, and especially in the light of what we're seeing today, right? When you see war and this hate that people manifest for one another it's uh i mean you can really see the results of that and and just a reminder that we need to love one another even our enemies it's hard to do not easy to do but we're commanded to do so all right good spot to leave it there on the podcast today as always get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a christian perspective lord willing in that creek don't rise we shall return tomorrow with more god bless see you then